AOC Community Media presents Mind on Media. Welcome. Uh, this is the AOC Staff Podcast. Uh, this is a one-off from our normal media literacy focus. Uh, on a regular podcast, you'd be having Christy tell you what we're doing. Uh, but today, we're going to talk about something that's uh, super important. It's uh, critical that everybody in our country understands this kind of thing right now. Uh, it's the We're going to talk about the whole idea that social media has become the preeminent way we communicate and that social media now has responsibilities that they're exercising by cutting some people's means of communication off. A lot of argument that that's a First Amendment violation. I think we're going to talk to you a little bit about the First Amendment and explain it's not a First Amendment violation at all. But it is, I think, and I'll present this as my statement to let the staff respond. I think it's a severe violation of the concept of the First Amendment that everybody should be able to speak and dialogue should be free-flowing and unrestricted. I don't want to come down on either side yet because I know what the other argument is too. It's sedition, man. What are you going to let them do? If you don't stop them from running sedition, when do you stop them? So that, that's that's what I want to hear feedback from you guys about so the viewing public will understand uh, our opinions and the absolute fact that the First Amendment idea is very applicable, but it is not legally applicable at all. Or am I wrong? Go, Matt. I can see your head shake. I'm ready. Uh, well, so I always like to, you know, look at the text uh, and and take from the text because I feel like that's what we're going from, right? So the First Amendment encompasses all these feelings and connotations that we put on it. But if you look at the text, the the only thing that's limited by the First Amendment, the only thing that can have handcuffs put on it by the First Amendment is the government. So Congress is the subject of it. They can make no law that will, let's see what the actual text, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or of the right of the people to peaceably assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances, so protesting essentially. But so the government is the person or the entity that's limited in that interaction as the Constitution is developed to do. It's not meant to limit the people. It's meant to limit the government's restrictions of the people. So that my argument. Oh, sorry, I lost you. Ed. I don't know if you muted. No, I muted, but I'm just saying, class, pay attention. This is important. Well, and so unfortunately, what that means uh, to me, it doesn't make my opinion very popular because I say that Facebook and everything else, they do technically have the right to limit what's published on their platforms. Now, there is a new and sort of nuanced argument that's going on over whether Facebook has or social media in general has surpassed that private entity uh, situation to become a public utility you know, similar to the way that landlines and phones became a public utility at some point and therefore got, you know, regulated because of the, the way they were up. But I saw some symbols, Ed, but. Yeah, hand sign means 230, section 230 is what you're alluding to. Okay. And see, I'm not even hip to that. I've just heard the talks of like, well, they've become yeah. a utility now. And I don't, I haven't heard an argument that really. Uh, it's very relevant to what AOC's role in, in our, in the communication food chain is. Uh, if we become 
a producer rather than a platform, we become subject to different rules and regulations. A platform, it's currently a platform, if that's what you are, you're not subject to punishment for what happens on your platform. Uh, people can do what they want to do, and those people get busted. The platform does not. And YouTube, Facebook, social media in general, takes the attitude when it's convenient that they are a platform. And by being a platform, they have no no say-so, and they take no role on their content, which is a complete lie. They totally control their content uh, beyond legal. They, they, they are producers, in fact, um, of their content because they manipulate it, they control it, they censor it, and they turn it on and off depending on what they like. So they are, they are, I think, that's my argument when I go to court, they are a, not a platform, they are producers, and they're subject to um, the things that come, like responsibility, you're responsible for what you put on your channel. AOC, and one of the reasons we emphasize that we don't want to do the productions for individuals, particularly individuals that are adversarial or issuing opinions, is because when we become producers, we become liable. Uh, we want them to be a liable, not us. That's what the pink sheet's all about. That's why that's an important thing to have as well. Um, so Section 230, which Trump is uh, trying, uh, he was, uh, his idea is that it's a bad deal, that we need to hold those platforms responsible. In response to this threat, the platforms have all said, <gasps> throw out these people. And I, on the one hand, agree that those people should have been thrown out. Uh, who says so? You know, um, well, the fact of the matter is that they were foregoing their their normal terms of service because of the unprecedented nature of that guy's role. So that guy was president of the United States. They felt that as like a public service, you know, the same way that broadcasters and I think they just did it in a sort of volunteer way. I think they're thinking hard about what they are responsible for and aren't. But he would have been kicked off long ago if he weren't the president. And that's the fact of the matter. The The fact is they kicked him off way late, according to their own terms of service. And their rationale for that was that because he's the president. Same reasoning his doctor gave when they asked why he got the treatment for COVID. He's the president. I, uh, I think the president should have the ability to supersede some restrictions and not others. Uh, handling him with kid gloves. Let's make believe they busted him six months ago or his sick offense six months ago. Is that the right thing to do? What does it say about us as consumers that we're going to let uh, half a dozen old rich billionaires, uh, not even necessarily old anymore, but a couple of billionaires decide for us what we're going to get to consume? I'm just going to like take a half step back to what Matt was saying, just like the, the small print, you know, the terms of service that they got late to uh, making an example of the president is sort of an afterthought, but they were violating their own terms of service from the beginning. So they kind of like null and voided what they required everybody to do and what they held everybody to. Uh, so I, I think it was just messed up from that point on. And it's, it's their own fault. So, I mean, they shouldn't be blaming the other people for the message that they're putting out there. Well, and to if, me, across legally fair too. their terms of service essentially say we can make any arbitrary decision about this at any time any way we choose and you have no recourse and that's what you click agree to when you sign up for it everybody does that's the checkbox uh ed you brought up pink sheets earlier 
which I just wanted to mention for anybody viewing at home, a pink sheet is like our terms of service. It's a one-page document that you sign to put your stuff out on AOC. It has a few, like, essentially it's like don't break the law. You can read through them on our website. Uh, it's actually now a digital form, not even a pink sheet. That's days of old. Another days of old thing I wanted to remind us of, though, we used to say this all the time in Access, is that we forget as consumers that we do have some choice in this interaction. And we used to say when it was TV that we were talking about, you have the right to change the channel if you don't like what you're seeing. You know, we're here to provide that platform for people. If you don't like it, change the channel. And everybody has that right. I was not on Facebook for all of uh, the previous administration's presidency. And, you know, I, I think I'm somewhat healthier for that. That's um, where I would have been without that. You're mentally healthier. It's a guarantee. Uh, anybody who stayed on Facebook can tell you the, the scars that this puts on you, even by very subtle tensions, it adds to your life. That stuff adds up, those little subtle tensions. But I'm going to argue, counter to what you said, you have a choice in this matter. You think you have a choice, and you do have a choice between death by fire or death by smothering or death by drowning, but you don't necessarily have a chance for life. These these algorithms, uh, and I don't want to say big money people, but the systems that are in place are bigger and decide for you what you're going to see. You, we think, you know, I got the World Wide Web, man. It's all at my fingertips, but it's... It, it, it's delivered to you in a package that tells you things. And that's my statement on you have a right to choose. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. But if all of your neighbors are on Facebook, no matter what you choose, Facebook influences them uh, significantly. Yeah. So it's one of those be on the side or have it chosen for you situations. Uh, yeah, like I, the illusion of choice. Like they're, they're pre-approving things for you to choose kind of thing. Oh, oh yeah. And, it's like a food and agriculture, all those things. Yeah, it's they, everywhere. Uh, man. They programmed they, me to disengage from their platforms. Uh, as a as a podcast from a group, this is pretty much three sided. I just think that, like Matt said, I mean, it's just you say you don't have a choice, but tell that to the people that don't get on. I mean, I just it, it what what a what a terribly emotionally scarring waste of time social media is. It's just. It, it, it is a choice, and and more and more people, uh, more and more people who have uh, uh, non-depressive tendencies don't use it. It's just not useful. It is That's not a why useful I've used it expenditure of your time. Years. What's that? That's, that's why I haven't used it in eight or ten years. Is I think it's pointless. Well, well, it's, it's not just pointless. It is actively causing you mental harm. It, it, that, there, there's nothing it's doing for you. They, they, yeah. Literally, it's not doing anything for you except, oh, you had a day, but not anymore you don't. Your day's gone. Sorry. Maybe tomorrow will be better. Oh, no, that's right. It won't be because you get on social media. They've done studies. Kids who play video games, they are not necessarily depressed outside of the mean. People... Children, especially, who use social media are depressed, and a larger chunk of them than the background population kill themselves. So, so that, that's what we have right now. And I don't think that the free speech topic has anything to do with what social media is wreaking. 
So that, that's that's my. I mean, we we need to have a whole different conversation. Well, no, that, that's a no. I I I I think that's a perfect place to catch you to the next level. You completely. I I agree totally with what you said. Uh, social media is a cancer. Now, it, it's a cancer that uh, along the way that it kills you and atrophies your muscles and your brain and your cognitive discipline and everything uh it gives you enough serotonin to keep you happy and uh they're not happy let's say uh compliant uh, addicted but uh, yeah. yeah addicted yeah okay good word addicted compliant uh, you do keep going back the answer is to disengage yeah that, yeah i don't care if people are addicted to heroin for me not to do it how do, how do we engage people through social media to tell them to not be there don't don't want <laughs> get off of facebook it's a terrible thing for you uh, well it, it, <clears throat> another thing just to mention I, I mean you know you all know me the eternal optimist but you know there is something neat about this technology there's a reason that people gravitate towards it because we see the potential it's it's like they figured out how to make the bulletin board experience that only nerds could enjoy you know in the early aughts or, or late 90s they've turned that into a thing that everybody can enjoy they've taken the the benefit factor now unfortunately they've also started farming your eyeballs but there are other examples of social media platforms like for for one and i haven't mind it in depth and william turned me on to it but reddit as a social media community to me is a much less toxic or much easier to sort of navigate it doesn't have you know i don't check reddit like once a day i check it once a week and it provides me with good local social interaction um they also have a public access interface which i would suggest everybody check out because it is an interesting thing but it's like it's what public access is it's people with cameras sometimes cleaning their living room sometimes playing a guitar sometimes you know playing video games um but uh, there's also, I know the, I, I think the Wikipedia people were working on some sort of social media platform, but I don't think it got a lot of steam. Uh, I don't know if anybody else knows about it. So methadone for heroin. Somebody is, somebody's going to make a billion, billion dollars while, while we can still have billionaires in the wild, wild west. Somebody's going to make a billion dollars finding a way to combine the, the aspects of video games that are that are useful and the aspects of social media that is useful. And, you know, I don't know what that looks like, but I mean, definitely in 10 years, we're going to laugh about Facebook like we laugh about MySpace, whether Facebook likes it or not. The difference is that Facebook saw what, what happened to MySpace and used its wealth to gobble up competitors. You know, that, mm -hmm. that, that's something that we need to talk well, about legislation for. True that. And I mean, they are right now, they're talking about the monopolistic, you know, whether they're, they're antitrust. I don't know where they are. I'm not following close enough, but I did see that, uh, that was the latest question, which should have been a question a long time ago. Uh, yeah. Change in administration is going to have a big effect on antitrust and monopolistic tendencies and predatory practices and so forth. Uh, yeah, you wish. <laughs> to the opportunity. Elizabeth Warren's on the warpath already. I think she might. Jacob, I, I will say to what you were talking about, combining video games and social media into it. I don't know if you were talking about a mineable resource, but uh, yes. I believe in India right now, what they're setting up is they're paying users to use Google Maps and to essentially populate it. Um, 
And I yeah. think it's that, but it's essentially there's a Google app you can use and you can get paid to use it as sort of like a data miner. Yeah, gamifying it. Yeah, yep, that's totally. super cool. Wow. And I mean, they're doing it here. Here you can get badges for contributing to maps. They're not paying you yet, but I'm sure at oh, some point. They're giving you that serotonin boost. Hey, look, I got a badge, man. Let me do that again. The, mm-hmm. the, the last time I play this, that's a whole nother conversation. Let me, I don't want to drag this on my bed. And we've gotten a little bit away from it. Is it the right thing or the wrong thing for uh, five rich billionaires to determine what we get to see and not see? Did they do the right thing to throw the insurrectionists off after they had insurrected? Uh, should they have been responsible ahead of time? Or should we let everybody speak? and make sure everybody does get to speak and deal with the consequences of that conversation, no matter how rough. That's three uh, questions. Well, I don't know if this answers in any of those particularly, but this, I remember Facebook when it started, it was designed only for college uh, atmosphere. So you had to be in school to have connection with someone else that was in school. And that was the requirement. Uh, and, and as soon as your uh, college based email uh, went null, you know, you couldn't have account anymore. But luckily I was in that phase where they transitioned as it was growing into more people, more schools could talk to each other and then cities and whatever and whatever. So, uh, and it, whenever it was just based around schools and, you know, networking in those areas, it, it was, it was fulfilling what the magic of Facebook was. I think it, it had a really good potential. It was growing to fill it um, and there were some bad sides, you know, there was bad, um, and bickering and, and venting and stuff like that, but it, it was much more controlled, it seemed, uh, and it was new. So people didn't necessarily know how to exploit it and, and use it as their main voice. But, um, but I think it, that's where they started losing their power, uh, to control whenever they just like, started letting everybody have any corporation and finding out that money could be made mining and all these things so it's just the natural growth of tech but i think they 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 lost what they originally had in their mind about it and the 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 magic of what that could be Uh, well and and it it is it is magic for some but i think it's perfect that the creators of facebook uh became billionaires because because one of the main uses for facebook was you know the face like let's let's find the good looking faces. Let's use this to exploit. Like that's what it was for. I want to find the hot women, and I want to be able to get at them. I mean, I mean that that was that was what Facebook was, and you know that 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 tells us what this technology is for. It's exploitative at its core, and and, and now you know we've kind of inverted the way that it uh, that it exploits. But yeah, anyway. I don't recall the name of it, but I, I read a, a good book, and actually John St. Julian and I had a phone conversation with the author. Uh, basically, that says that, that the Internet has its own mindset and its own motives, and it does its own thing, regardless of what the humans think they're doing. And it is it's very compelling, and I can't even give you a good summation other than the, the thing has its desires, and it reaches those desires by forcing people to buy into it. It consumes new data. Uh, it, it is going to morph into uncontrollable, like Facebook morphed into this huge, whatever it is, 
uh, it's unstoppable. If, if you don't do it, the next person is going to layer on what you did. And it, it's, it's got its own life now. It's going to do what it's going to do. Getting control is not going to happen. We have to figure out how to use it. And that, that hasn't, that hasn't worked out to the benefit of the community because we're using it to make money uh, above all else. And sometimes money is more important than a cure for cancer or telling people the truth or anything else. I'm in favor of the government putting responsibility and liability on social media platforms. And they suffer the consequences of what they allow to go on their channel with certain caveats. Obscenity is certainly against the law. Uh, copyright violations are against the law. There's nine or ten things. Matt has the list probably in front of him that you can't do. Uh, I, I did have a question about that proposal, though, because that's a proposal that people make a lot. But what what do you think your likelihood to sign up for a social media account if you had to sign a contract that made you beholden to Facebook for the content you put out? So, like, if if they're suddenly financially liable for what you're putting, like, when I went to work as a board op at a radio station, I had to sign, like, five contracts between me and the FCC, between me and the station, and it essentially said that I was only going to put on the air what they allowed me to put on the air. Um, So, how does that change your interaction with that platform if suddenly you become sort of like an employee for them or not an employee, but you know, you're contractually obligated to uphold and maybe there's a financial burden on it. I, I, if I understand what you're saying correctly, I think as the person who presents the material, I should be expected to be responsible for the material I present on an, particularly on an open social platform like that. Uh, I think it's completely reasonable that there should not be an account called Uncle Eddie's Donuts, which I have to have if you want to go looking around, all those kind of things. They're fun, but they should be clearly labeled bogus or some other. Uh, I, I think I think the person who says it should be responsible for it at all at all times, whether they say it on Facebook or anything else. And I don't. If Facebook was really just a platform and was not a gigantic manipulative thing, if it was just a platform, I'd be a whole lot more let it ride, let the insurrectionists use it, let everybody. But when you start manipulating the data and you're going to start using this and using that and playing these games and algorithming what people see, I think it's time to step in and and, and step in and at least acknowledge what you're dealing with don't make believe you got something you don't have let people know for sure when you say it they're going to come to your house it's you can't just like taking a selfie in the capitol building now it should be when i'm at home in my well i'm not in my basement i'm in the second floor window but if i'm sitting up here doing all this i should be held responsible and they should come down and park right there in my driveway come in the house and take me away for saying it if i'm an insurrectionist or if i'm calling for the murder of somebody, those kind of things. I I think responsibility goes with the pie hole that spouts it, not the platform in between. I think they have some responsibility, though, the platforms. Like there are certain types of speech that aren't protected, like direct threats or incitement of violence, you know, and they have to be responsible to stop that when someone is saying it and not allow the spread of it even like the non-traditional ones like reddit still have moderators that are watching for things to pull off of their you know and i think that kind of comes along with them being a private entity as well like a private business i reserve the right to 
um, refuse service to you, the terms of service thing. And they just use that to banhammer these people and kick them off when they do these things. I mean, I don't know. I still think it's in the, the platform because they own it, you know, or to control what people are saying on there. And I don't think that's infringing their freedom of speech. They can say it anywhere else. But if I own the channel, I have a right to tell you, you can't incite violence on it, I think. That, you know. that goes back to why they should be held responsible because they do own it and they do have that right. Uh, and, and that's why they should be held responsible ultimately. It, and to it, be it, fair, they do have those terms in place and they do ban people all the time for breaking yeah. those terms. And there's always questions as to the, the efficiency of that process because, again, it's algorithms that then go to humans and humans who, by the way, get damaged by that process psychologically because they have to see some of the worst stuff that you've ever seen uh, in the world. They, a bunch of them have PTSD. Um, but, you know, uh, again, like cases like the president it's a weird situation they're in where they're and you know part of the blame i think falls on them for pretending they're a utility but not actually acting like a utility they want to market themselves as a public good and as a public service but they know full well that that's not their intention their goal number one is making money so it's advertising it's keeping your eyeballs to sell advertising psychologically hooking you uh, that idea and I think Jacob referred to it as the addiction it is very much an addictive thing uh, lots of sci science we can use that word again lots of science out there points to the damage this is doing to us every day uh, the flip side of all that is hey guess what guys we're having a salient conversation about an important topic because of social media right here this Zoom thing hasn't damaged anybody, I don't think. Thanks for tuning in. And I hope you get a two things out of this. One is that the First Amendment is not necessarily what you think it is. It's the government, not business's right to manipulate what is said or not said. It's a protective device on one hand and it's a sword on the other. But you should learn it before you go into battle using the First Amendment and holding other people accountable. Check out more on AOCINC.org or like and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. He's the man. Love you guys. Matt, you're going to send me this and I'll put some CG on it. I'll put it on that drive and send you a link. Appreciate you, Mind On Media is a presentation of AOC Community Media. Our producer is Christy Tracy. Contributors include Mandy Ayo, Ed Bowie, Joe Ferguson, Bethany Ivey, William McFarlane, Matt Roberts, Skip Shannon, and Jacob White. For more information about media literacy and more, visit AOCINC.org. While you're there, become a member and a media creator. Click the join button and join our community of producers. Check out our YouTube channel, AOC Community Media, for tutorials and videos from our community producers. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook by searching for AOC Community Media.